From Bias to Equality podcast is brought to you by the CEO magazine, Holman Web Lawyers, and B2 Buy. Hello, and welcome to my podcast, From Bias to Equality. I'm your host, Sandra D'Souza. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to have a conversation with Jacqueline Butler. Hello, Sandra. Hello. So Jacqueline is a seasoned finance professional with diverse international experience. She started her career in audit at Arthur Anderson in London and later became a CFO. I interviewed the then CEO of Nick Science, Judith Mitchell, for my book, From Bias to Quality, as Nick Science qualified for Alex, Alex Stars, being one of the very few ASX-listed companies with both a female CEO and CFO at that time. Jacqueline's journey includes working in banking in Latvia, owning a French teaching franchise, and joining a chartered accounting firm in the UK. In Australia, she took on roles from accounting to becoming a part-time CFO for an exploration company, which later turned into a full-time CFO and company secretarial position. As global CFO of Next Science, she contributed to the company's successful ASX listing and played a key role in its growth before departing in May this year. Now, Nick Science is an emerging company with innovative solutions to combat biofilm-related issues. Non-drug cost-effective approaches are safe and don't contribute to anti-microbial... Oh, my goodness. Antimicrobial. Thank you. <laughs> resistance. They are building clinical evidence to establish their prophylactic wash as a standard in surgical procedures, including health outcomes and reducing healthcare costs. So, Jacqueline, thank you again for being part of this podcast and also correcting me. It's <laughs> okay. Thank you for having me. So um, I know that we just touched on a little bit about your background and that um, you're not with Next Science anymore, but I think our listeners would really love to hear about your journey of how you kind of like, you know, your fascinating journey, which is not the typical linear type of um, pathway to where you are now. So, um if you could share with us, that'd be great. Sure. So yes, you are correct. It's a rather unconventional route to being a CFO. I started in audit in Arthur Anderson in London. And then shortly after qualifying as a CA, I got married and my husband, uh, who was working for a Swedish telecom at the time, they bought a company in Riga in Latvia. And so I found myself as a newlywed in Latvia uh, not speaking Russian or Latvian, <laughs> but I did want to work. So I did find a job with Parex Bank, mm-hmm. which was the largest bank in Latvia. And I had to um, help the traders get higher trading limits with the European banks. And also Moody's and Fitch rated the bank. And so I was their point of liaison between the two because I could speak English in that role. Wow. So I then had my first son in Latvia. And then shortly after that, we moved to the UK and I had my second son, And then when the kids were little, I wanted to do something with a bit more flexibility. Uh, In those days, there wasn't so much flexibility around working parents. Uh, And also, I wanted to do something a bit entrepreneurial. So after uni, I'd spent a year in Paris uh, learning French at the Sorbonne. Wow. Yeah. So I using my French, I bought into a French franchise, teaching French to kids after school. And then I employed teachers and and taught in various they they and I taught in various schools around the sort of Richmond Twickenham area Mm -hmm. in London 
Um, and then uh, my husband is Canadian and he didn't like England much, I'm afraid, <laughs> with the weather, the constant drizzle really? and the, the grey sky. Yeah. Uh, so we were thinking we would maybe move back to Canada or we visited his brother and sister-in-law here in Australia one May and it was beautiful the whole of May. <laughs> and so we and then thought that was the weather. Spent the winter in Toronto or, yeah. or um, you know, this beautiful weather here. So that's how we ended up here. Um, and at that stage, I sort of hadn't been in finance for maybe four or five years and had no Australian experience. Uh, but um, and so it was hard, I suppose, getting my first finance role. But recruiters yeah. wouldn't even look at me mm -hmm. and, you know, job ads that just wasn't even worth applying for. Uh, but, it, you know, networking and, and contacts helped. And I think it was somebody from my sister-in-law's mother's group that oh, wow. heard okay. about. There the goes group. mother's group. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And she knew one of the directors of Azure Group um, who was saying to her one day, I just can't get good, you know, star talent. And should I know somebody? Um, and so I'm always very grateful to Michael Derren who who took a chance on me and employed mm. me. And uh, I ran their accounting division, the financial reporting division, and then their outsourced CFO division. Wow. And then I had my third son, <laughs> went off on maternity leave. And then when I was on maternity leave, one of the audit partners from the Mazars who were audited the clients that I was involved with yeah. reached out to me and said there's a tin and gold exploration company that's a client <laughs> of ours they want a list on the ASX um, they need a part-time CFO how about it so I said okay sure and then that role evolved from a part-time role to a full-time role and then I ended up taking the company secretarial role on that as well I listed them on the ASX um, and while, while raising three kids Yes, but it, but it was what was good about the role was it started off part time yeah, yeah. and then it ended up sort of full time. And so I stayed seven years. Oh, okay, and yeah. So it was a really sort of supportive environment oh, in that yeah. sense. Um, and then and then I from there I then applied for a job at Next Science, which is you know biotech, yeah. and um, helped list Next Science on the ASX. And that it's been more of a scale up journey. So when I started, there were sort of twenty people, two in finance. And then over the last five and a half years, it's um, by the time I left, it was like 110 people, yeah. maybe 10 in finance. Um, so, yeah, help list them on the stock exchange and then, you know, grow grow globally mm. with a focus mainly on the US. Yeah. Well, um, for the listeners who, who may not know this, so I um, just just unbeknown to both of us. Um, I interviewed your boss at the time, Judith Mitchell, who's the CEO of Next Cut Science, and she was a really impressive uh, woman. And um, and she was very much, um, she cared about like everybody, her workers mm -hmm. throughout her career, not just um, at Next Science. And um, and it felt like she, you know, built up a very uh, beautiful, I would like to say, working environment. Um, I know I didn't work there, but you know the impression I got and and her philosophy um, with with how she did it. So um um and then I guess Judith has um, recently retired. She made the announcement yeah. that she was retiring. And, that's right. And that's and, and they appointed a a US CEO um when Judith retired, and off the back of that, then they they appointed a global. CFO based in the US yeah. to say that now, in fact, they've closed the Australian um, operations and sublet the, the office in Chatswood. So, um, yes, so I've handed over the reins now yeah. to uh, a new global CFO. Cool. So I guess this is going to be an interesting podcast because I would like to ask you around 
the time that you were at Nick Science. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book has, like, obviously, the interview with Judith, but the podcast is going to talk to the second most important person in the company at the time, which is you. Mm-hmm. And so um, the reason why I guess I reached out to Judith, because at the time uh, they qualified for, the business qualified for Alex Stars. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and it was actually quite rare to have a woman CEO and CFO. Yeah, in, um, in an ASX company. Yeah, I think we were one of the listed, few. Enlisted companies in, in yeah, general. Yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, we were one of the few. Others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean, I, I guess I would love to hear from the from your insights as the, the CFO is, um, you know, how, how um, I guess, do you remember, like, was there initiatives or how did it all kind of, like, you feel the company managed to qualify? Um, I think it helped that when Judy and I both started together in November 2017, and as I said, there were only, like, 20 employees at the time. Yeah. Um, and they hadn't even formed a board, a formal board at that stage. So I think it helped having a, a female, a mature female CEO to sort of set the company culture from the get-go. Yeah. And everything else fell in place from that. So, you know, then there were two male directors that they had in line. They got, then Judy made sure that she um, was interviewing other directors that were female and then Aileen Stockberger, who used to be the mergers and acquisitions um, lead for J&J. She became a, a director. And then I suppose Judy in her, in looking for a CFO, made sure that she was interviewing both males and females. Um, and then from there, she's she just created a culture where um, family was important. Mm. So it was definitely a culture of performance. You know, you need to do your job and meet your deadlines and deliverables. But equally, she um, she did have a real focus on family. So, you know, it was her that was would say to me, you know, it's one of your sons, uh, whatever it was, prize giving or something, you know, make sure you go to that. No, yeah. you're not going to remember in 10 years time that you were at some kind of business meeting. Yeah. Um, he will remember that you weren't there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and you will remember that you weren't there. Yeah. So just make sure you make sure you go. She was, she knows she was very big with that. And she actually said something, which I think I, it's included in the book, that she said that, you know, not in these exact words, so I'm not memorizing it, but some something along the line like, you know, everybody's replaceable at work, mm-hmm. but you are irreplaceable in your family. Yeah. And yeah. that was that really stuck with me. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And she did, she believed that. Um, and even like up until recently, I went over to the UK in December. And my dad had a really bad fall and ended up in hospital for a month. Oh wow. Um and just Judy was brilliant. She just said, just take as long as you need. She never put any pressure on me. It was coming up to the year-end audit. We were ASX oh, wow. listish. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of pressure. She said, yeah. Just take as long as you need. So I ended up staying a month in yeah. the UK and, and staying with my mum and going back and forth to the hospital. And you know, but I, I got the audit done, I got the McLean audit. Um <laughs> But so there's a bit of give and take as well. So she set the, the right culture, uh, but equally, you know, I then performed because, you know, I didn't want to let her down. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's 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 the, in a way, an ideal culture that um, by caring for, for people, you know, that they want to make sure that... Um, they don't let you down. They, they don't let you down, well. yeah, get yeah. back, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Um, in in the questions, I guess, in general, like, 
um, do you feel like that your values are in sync with Judith in terms of gender equality? I mean, what are your values and beliefs around gender equality? Yes, so I strongly believe that um, gender equality um, helps with the bottom line, Um, not not just gender equality, I think sort of diversity Mm. in general, and you'll be familiar with the McKenzie 2015 study that showed, I've got it here, the companies (laughs) in the top quartile for gender diversity were 15% more likely to have Mm -hmm. better financial trends, and those with ethical diversity, 35% more more likely. So it's ethnic. Ethnic. What did I say? Ethical. Ethical. No, ethnic diversity. (laughs) So it's not some frou-frou thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it does actually, you know. Yeah, it's results. numbers. Yeah. yeah, and it helps with your competitive position. It helps with attracting top talent. Um, but as I say, it's I think it's diversity in in general, in broader sense, even, you know, cultural background, class, socioeconomic, yeah. neurodiversity. Yeah. Um, you and I have spoken about before. Yeah. One of my sons is dyslexia. He might be really bad at spelling and slow reader, but he is such a creative thinker mm. and is able to come up with a great problem solver. Yeah. Comes up with left yeah. field answers. That yeah. so I think um, you know, companies need to embrace that as well. Mm. So that you've not getting this group think where yeah. everybody thinks the same and everybody thinks yeah. the same and then there's no there's no no creativity. And um so I think diversity in general is super important. Yeah, and I'm nodding, but I know we don't get you don't get nodding sounds in the <laughs> podcast. But um, yeah, so even though I guess the focus of the podcast and the work that I'm doing is around gender equality, yes, yeah, it's very much um, it, it is you know the end goal is is diversity, and um, and I just wanted to put a side note here why I'm focusing on gender equality is because you know I want to deal with the issue that we have. 51% of the population are women mm-hmm. and we're an underrepresented group. Mm-hmm. And so yes, let's yes. tackle the... So you can, you can tackle yeah. that first <laughs> yes. and I have a long <laughs> list of <laughs> That's right. All right, take that one and then we're going along the list of all the, yeah, the <laughs> diversity things. So, um, and so I guess, do you remember the time when you were going through, I guess, the recruitment and in senior leadership recruitment and the boards? Mm-hmm. Um, firstly, like, did you feel the support of the board in terms of whether it's, you know, the, the initiatives from Judith or from yourself with with the type of, you know, d- diverse leadership team or uh, company that you guys wanted to lead? Yes. Yeah, so I think, um, again, because Judy was the CEO and she was a female, so I think she really set the tone from the top. Uh, and then in terms of recruitment and, I mean, I think you've spoken to me before about you know getting a panel and making sure there's diversity in the panel mm. so that you're not getting the same it's thing yeah <laughs> uh yes uh so I think I think that it's that's tricky because each divisional head would obviously you're you're recruiting for skills yes so you want to bring on board somebody that's gonna you know pick up the job quickly and doesn't need too much hand holding yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so you know whoever that divisional head will be um they will they will be the person involved in the recruitment so that you're not always getting a balance of males and females uh which resulted in for example the operations team they were all men oh, okay and I had the opposite problem that in my finance team I actually there was only by the time I left there were about 11 in finance only one was the male okay. so I had actually purposely when I was yeah. recruiting make sure that we were interviewing um males as well as females yeah, yeah. um so um yeah so I think 
I always think it's interesting with orchestras, some orchestras, mm -hmm. how they do the blind audition, which yes. I think is really, you know, it's a, it's a good method. I don't really know how to translate <laughs> that yet into corporate, but. Blind CVs. I mean, there's yeah. also discussions around blind CVs of um, so that you don't see yeah. those details and then just look at the skill yeah. set. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and research have shown that uh, candidates with more diverse background, with diversity, are the one who tends to be selected the roles yes yeah, so i think um a blind cv in terms of male female but also probably the name yeah oh yeah because there's like there's no name there's unconscious no, yeah. biases exactly. around names and things exactly so, yeah yeah okay so then um what was it um were there also a push or a kpis um around for the leadership team in terms of diversity and and rolling it out for so being an ASX assisted, as, as yeah. you know, because I guess you've done the elect stars yeah. for, for, for the ASX companies, um, you are you are required to publish your diversity stats yes, in your, right. I think it's Appendix 4G annually. Um, and so you have to talk about, I think, the number of females on the board in executive positions and then overall as a company, yeah. which I think Next Science in general did quite well. I think yes, it might have yeah, had 50% or more females overall as well in the company yeah. so yes yeah, so the, the, there are those stats that are published and having them published um holds you accountable yeah uh and then obviously the rem the rem committee the remuneration committee set their own internal targets um yeah yeah from and, and so so it was very much that every like the kpis and and everyone's tasked who's responsible to make sure that all of that is cascaded down yes that it's not just or I mean, even though you have like an all men operations team and mm -hmm. female finance team yeah but but you know but seeing the whole company as a uh, as a whole to make sure that this diversity and balance was very much was um, an entrenched into the culture mm -hmm. cool and um um, you you talked a little bit about the the interview process. Mm -hmm. Do you want to expand on was there um, specific strategies and things to help recruit? Because I remember Judith talked about also she was very proud of having um, women in the more technical roles as well. And um, um, and I guess how was that achieved when it's always challenging? We had a, we had a VP of uh, regulatory that was a woman. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it, I think it was recruitment was, as I said before, it, it was mainly to do with skills. Like does the yeah. person have the skills, yeah. but I think it didn't have, it didn't hinder that we, you know, did have these diversity stats, which probably then meant that female talent was applying for these roles, yeah. whereas they may not have before. Yeah. And then you, you do, which can be an issue with, you know, getting female talents to the table mm, that's right so that helped um and then then they had the skills and then you were able to interview them and then you know some of them got the roles so okay and um and I guess um having a think you said obviously that it was this startup being um 20 to growing yeah, um, to over 100 journey, yeah yeah so um with with the changes were there any resistance to like to the diversity targets or anything like that of of um, trying to implement the vision of Judith. No, no, I don't. I'm not not really. There wasn't resistance. I think she's um, 
she's you know you've met her so yeah. she she has a lovely personality yeah. and I think she brought people along the journey well so um no I didn't there wasn't much well, that's good yeah yeah well, that's yeah. really good mm-hmm. and so I guess um you know with I want to this is not part of the question um, mm-hmm. that I've prepared for you, but I want oh, you gosh. to share this. Throw one in. I am. Because you have talked about this before. Yes. Um. So you were at the book launch. You yes. didn't know that Judith was. No. You, you came to the book launch because of Magda, who was part of the book. Correct. Um. And she you heard, invited me to yep, the launch. Yep. And then you were very kind and you bought my book mm-hmm. on your way home. Do you want to tell, like, how that all happened? Sure. <laughs> So um, Magda, who is the CFO and COO of Homeward Lawyers here in Sydney, um, she had said, yeah, my, my friend Sandra's got, having this book launch. Would you want to come along? So I did, and it was a great She said that she was in the book either, or...? Oh no, she did. Okay, she, she, she said she was in the book, and she said she said no about fifteen times. Yes, and, <laughs> I did. and said, "Oh my gosh, I, I, what can I do to just make sure you actually, <laughs> even if you record yourself and I'll uh, type it up, I'll, I'll, yeah. I want you in the book." Which, and which was which was great. She she was one of the I think best stories in, in the book. Um, yes. Yeah, so then on the way back home, I bought the book, and then on the way home, I was flicking through. I read Magda's chapter, and I kept flicking, and then I was like. It's Judith. <laughs> so I'm like texting Judy, going, "Oh, you're in this book. I've just been to the book launch. So it was really funny." And then I was texting you, going, yes. "You never guess what? Yeah, <laughs> you interviewed my boss. And how funny is that? Like, yeah, yeah they interviewed your boss, and she kept it quiet. Um, she did. Yeah. Right, so she's... at the time she was um, in the last year and a half, she was based in Jacksonville, Florida. Yes. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, hence why I guess maybe she didn't mention it. I didn't no, I guess to, I don't know. Yeah, and 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 I think she's one of those um, um, wonderful people who don't kind of like feel like what she's doing is something special, even though it's really special. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, no, she's a really lovely lady. So I guess you know I could just keep talking to you all day, Jacqueline, but um, I do have this final question to ask you, which I ask everyone. Um, what is your advice to other CEOs who are struggling to achieve diversity in their company, even though they want to or need to? I think um, companies need to broaden their mindset in terms of uh, roles and offering part-time roles and also offering flexibility around a role. I think part of the problem is why you're either getting really talented females, junior females that are rising up, they leave when they some you know often get married have kids yeah and they don't there there's no there isn't the flexibility and that if they do want to do part-time roles so they it's just a great it's a great problem because it's a big um brain drain so I think um a broader mindset in terms of that I mean in my own experience yeah. that was me yeah. you know I, I mean you did your job well like because you were you had a part time role, yeah, and you still and it was an ASX existed, but I, exactly. I still managed to do it and yeah. deliver it and and excel in that role. So I think broaden the mindset in terms of that. Um, I would be really interested. I don't know if there are any studies yet, but um, with COVID and mm. now how you know hybrid working is more popular, yeah. Um, how that has changed whether women are, are not dropping out as much mm. as before, yeah, it would be a really interesting. No, study, I would be interested in yeah. that as well. But also um, there is the shift more so the start of this year, and I think it's continuing that there are there is a push for companies to revert back. To there, the, there is. And um, 
Yeah, as with all things in life, I think a balance is good. Yeah. Uh, and certainly for my own team, um, you know, so long as they're hitting their deliverables and mm. the deadlines, then they have to go home and pick up a kid from school yeah. and then log on later. Yeah. That doesn't worry me. As no, long as they're doing either. their job and they're doing a good job, I'd much rather that than a mediocre employee. So I think that's one thing. And then I think also probably within companies, you do need a champion of change, whether it's a female or a or a male who who is, you know, driving through that diversity message. And, you know, coming back to our friend Magda, she's doing a fabulous job at mm. Holman Webb doing that because she's tapping female talent on on the shoulder and saying, come on, you're ready. You should yeah. put yourself forward for that promotion um, when even they themselves might not feel ready. Mm. She's saying, no, no, you're ready. So a champion of change like that, yeah. I think, really helps. Yeah, that's very good advice, actually. Mm. Thank you, Jacqueline. Oh, my pleasure. I really appreciate you coming um, all the way here. And this is yeah, the first time we're doing it in person together um rather than um through zoom and um and i appreciate you coming all the way to my office and having this podcast interview and giving us some incredible insights during your time at next science thanks sandra for having me thank you today's episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors firstly we're sponsored by b2 buy b2 buy is your trusted business buying platform that simplifies and automates your buying process helping you buy smarter and faster giving you greater visibility and value with 100,000 products in one place b2 buy is passionate about connecting diverse suppliers with corporate buyers so you can create a more inclusive business environment and buy better with www.b2buy.online our second sponsor is holman web lawyers an award-winning and dynamic full-service australian law firm with offices in sydney melbourne brisbane and adelaide not only do holman web offer comprehensive legal services but they are also a proud recipient of the lx star recognizing their commitment to achieving gender equality and leadership discover more about their services initiatives and industry leading insights at www.holmanweb.com.au lastly our sponsor the CEO magazine is an iconic, global media brand that inspires and promotes excellence within the business world. It is a source of information, inspiration and motivation for the world's most successful leaders, executives, investors and entrepreneurs. Go to www.thesiomagazine.com.